Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 47, quickly approaching episode 50, Mr. Husson. Getting there. Episode 47. Of sports clicks and politics. Thank you all for joining us. If you could uh, take a brief moment to like and share this video and get it out to all your friends and family and everybody who uh, follows you and all your social media accounts, that would be much appreciated. Also, subscribe to the channel. That'll help you be alerted to when we go live, kind of like right now. You probably should have got an invite or some kind of an alert maybe 15, 20 minutes ago when I hit the live button here. Uh, Mr. Husong, how was your weekend? My weekend was wonderful. Uh, we're going to touch on it a little bit at the top. I don't want to get too much into it, but did, did you do anything for the most exciting two minutes in sports over the weekend? The most exciting two minutes in the sports? The Kentucky Derby. Oh, no. Did, you didn't watch that? No, I did not. Okay. I was at a uh, <laughs> anti-New York State gathering law protest. Love it. I was at a party. <laughs> like it, it, That's all it was. It was a party. Excellent. So, so no, what, I did not. How'd it go? Uh, it was two minutes long. Just a, shockingly. You know what else? Two, never mind. That's too no, easy. No. Anyways, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> so... We're, I want to kind of touch back. What we're going to talk on the Kentucky Derby. We're going to talk about how sports and crypto have merged over the weekend too with the NFL draft. Right, paying attention to that. Um, we got some rocket that's going to fall on our heads any minute from uh, some uncontrolled uh, rocket stage of some Chinese uh, rocket that went into space a while ago is floating around. Looks like it's going to come down through the atmosphere uh, supposedly today or tomorrow. It's not terrifying at all. Yeah, hopefully it hits the water. Um, Fingers crossed. <laughs> We had some restrictions here in the uh, great state of New York uh, kind of get relaxed over the last few days, weeks for, for varying reasons. Some our governor has uh, set some dates where uh, dancing no longer is uh, uh, a vulnerable situation to uh, partake in. And so on tomorrow, technically, oh, today, May 3rd, today, you can dance, folks. You can dance. Everybody footloose. If um, you want to. <laughs> the safety dance. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that New York's experimenting with human sacrifice now. Uh, I guess. Okay. Yes. Neanderthal thinking. The, uh, we've also had the legislature kind of took their first action, kind of rolling back some of uh, the governor's uh, measures. We'll talk about that. About time. Um, and maybe parlaying that into uh, your favorite mayor, Mayor de Blasio, kind of basically setting a date in public. Uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like that was kind of a dig at Cuomo, right? I love how much they hate each other. Yeah. So that makes for good fodder. It's hilarious. And then we, the two things I want to talk to at the end of the show were uh, a lot of people are talking about price, prices, and I kind of want to talk about inflation a little bit. There is um, no inflation. I've been reliably <laughs> informed by the United States Federal Reserve. Well, Warren Buffett disagrees. Uh, he uh, calls he it know? substantial and significant. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk on that article that came out in Yahoo Finance. Did you hear what his boy Charlie Munger said about crypto and Bitcoin? Disgusting. And dangerous. Yeah. Well. They're with it. Financial freedom is... Uh, disgusting in the empire of thieves i mean so, listen if you are on top of the pyramid <laughs> that, right it's a reasonable belief right and uh then i want to touch upon this this new york times article i don't know if it came out last night or this morning or whatever but i read it today um basically questioning uh the likelihood of herd immunity here in the u.s oh boy so pretty much we were on on pace to just no matter what we were uh uh, locking down until everybody got vaccinated until we got this uh artificial herd immunity and here we are a year later and being like, eh, maybe we're going to give this up. I love the fact that at first it was, we got to get to herd immunity. We can't get to herd immunity. That's not a thing. That's a bad goal. The vaccines are going to get us to herd immunity. You know, the vaccines are going to do whatever else. And now it's a, even with vaccines, we are probably not going to get to herd immunity. Yeah. Well, we'll cover that article in the New York times too. So, well, let's 
talked about the, fe- the, the most exciting two minutes in sports that you didn't, that you missed over the weekend. Um, I'm not a huge racing fan, but it's kind of like a, uh, cool. a natural, uh, a national, uh, holiday, if you will. Uh, um, national event. Yeah, sure. Uh, people, you know, they get all dallied up, do their thing and, uh, make, it, make a day of it. Yeah. Women in um, big hats. Some people pull it off better than others. Uh, I've seen this firsthand. Maybe you have too. I've seen a few. Um, but anyway, so, uh, the Kentucky Derby, again, for those of you who don't know, uh, the first leg of the uh, Triple Crown. Um, I can't remember exactly how that all played out last year. Obviously, they probably didn't have the Kentucky Derby, or I don't even remember. It was so long ago now, I forgot. I didn't even know it was Saturday. You think I know what happened <laughs> last year? Well, I figured that like, golf sports were interrupted for, obviously, COVID last year, so yeah. I wonder if any of this stuff actually happened. So um, we had a winner, 15-1 to 1 odds, but Bob Baffert, who is basically uh, now the king of the mountain, if you will, sure. um, of the Kentucky Derby, trainer, breeder, all the extraordinary guy there, uh, seventh win, uh, Medina spirit at 15 to one. So that paid off pretty good. If you were, uh, just riding the the pedigree of the ownership, right? I mean, they, obviously you, I feel like you could bet Bob, ba- Bob Baffert horses every freaking race and have a chance, but we also had a little bit of a local, uh, flair to this, this race. I don't I, know if you saw I'm that. I'm familiar with this actually. Yeah, so yes. our local, uh, Syracuse university, Jim, uh, basketball coach, Jim Beheim. Um, and another, another business owner, Adam Weitzman here locally are both, uh, owners of a horse that raced in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, the name of that horse is hidden stash. It finished 14th, uh, out of the money. Um, but as Jim Beheim said, I think he said he owns two hairs on the horse. So, um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's some local, uh, local, uh, flair going on in the Kentucky Derby. Obviously it wasn't a, a finish that we all wanted, but, uh, for that, for that horse, but, but cool. Nonetheless, I guess. Uh, yeah, I like it. And then we get to go, I don't know, what the next one's the uh, Preakness and the Belmont, right? The last two of the, uh, I don't even know when they are, but they're in a couple weeks. So I'm in. The Belmont's in New York, so we'll have to make sure we uh, touch on that a little bit. But Obviously. And then I said probably more uh, mainstream news uh, over the weekend was the NFL draft. Yes. Um, obviously, every team thinks this is the remaking of their team and everybody's ready for the Super Bowl now. Um, well, maybe, I mean, maybe even the Jaguars, right? I mean, I don't know. They had a pretty good draft. I'm not sure they're ready for the Super Bowl, but. Let's talk about their first pick, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence decides to uh, his first, uh, I guess, uh, um, what do you call it? Contract. Uh, yeah, well, it's not. It's his uh, adver- not advertising. What am I talking about? His uh, endorsement contract. Yeah. Ah. So uh, with Blockfolio, which is a crypto app, and he basically took his uh, or his. I guess they don't, he hasn't signed a contract yet, but is going to take the majority of his signing bonus, which probably going to be in the roughly 20 to $25 million range. Uh, he's going to take it all in crypto. And, uh, and so it begins. I love it. So, and there's also a second guy. We'll get him to second, but, but Trevor Lawrence is obviously <clears throat> the, was the, the, uh, the most sought after, uh, player in the draft for as far as endorsements. And obviously to pull this off in a crypto way, uh, it's gotta be, you know, whether or not it's actually, if he even makes it, I don't even think it matters for the, for Blockfolio and crypto and stuff, it's kind of a win for them regardless because Absolutely. they got the first pick in the draft. He signed on this contract. Listen, if he's a home run, it's a home run on top of that, right? Sure. So um, I don't know. Do you have any initial thoughts of these sports and their crypto uh, worlds merging ever so? Uh, I think it seems more of like colliding now. Yeah, I mean, I think all credit to Russell Okung. He's the one who started this off with taking the, the payout in crypto. And I'll give the NFL credit for getting on board and saying, yeah, let's do it then. Uh, I think a lot of leagues are more hesitant to take that type of a public relations risk. Uh, but the NFL is probably the only sports league that has enough um, of a, f- a loyalty or a loyal following that they can afford to do these things. Um, 
it's it's good to see. Like I, I think it's a very big win for Trevor Lawrence. It's a big win for those of us who own cryptocurrency. It's a one more notch to say of the legitimacy of the idea. Not to say that it's all a given and that we're not going to find down the road the government or the Fed is going to try to make cryptocurrency illegal. They can certainly try. Um, but the only thing they can do is make it so that you can't exchange it for fiat currency. But as long as people are still on board and willing to engage, I I don't think you can block that uh, yeah. for back, lack of a better yeah, word. No, I, and like I said, I, you know, I'm not sure that they can... Even if they try to make it illegal, like even there's some countries that are still, it is uh, it is illegal in some of these countries. When you have high profile adoption of, right. it's hard to kind of pull all that back. So, um, yeah, th- they may be able to uh, get a cut, if you will, from uh, when they when they transfer to uh, fiat or make sure that you're uh, they're more aware of the situation uh, of who's involved in crypto, at least in a major sense. But most of these people are, are not using, they're not exchanging it to fiat anyway. Very rarely. Some of these, these major holders are not doing that. So um, we did have another player, too, later um, who signed a free agent deal. Um, uh, Kansas tight end, what's his name, Sean Culkin? I don't know. Sean Culkin. So he... God, you're good. Yeah. Um, Kansas City uh, Chiefs, looks like. Yeah, Kansas City signed him, 27-year-old Missouri alum. Um, he was with the uh, Ravens last year on a practice squad. But so he signed his contract, and he's getting paid in Bitcoin. So uh, probably about a like little 900000 something like that, around in Bitcoin. So good for him. Again, you know. My guess is if uh, if it works out for him like it worked out for Okung, he'll be the second highest paid player in uh, the NFL. Some wow. some Sean Culkin guy. So, yeah, the uh, the flip side. I, listen, I get Charlie Munger like it's being used for kidnapping and drugs and illegal purposes, like kind of like cash. cash right. Like, <laughs> welcome to the real world. Is are we unaware that this stuff happens and that cash is largely untraceable as well? Um, yeah, well, I think they might be trying to get rid of that as well. It's on the road, so if everything is is everything is on the uh, on in the in the digital world, then they can kind of keep track of all of us for some degree. But like I said, this is kind of just a big win for crypto. Um, you know, the company that owns Blockfolio also signed the uh, the naming rights for the Miami Heat uh, arena. So Miami is kind of a pro crypto uh, city, kind of merging their mayor is kind of very pro crypto. Actually, has some of the city assets I think being held in in really in, in Bitcoin. Yeah, so incredible. Um, That's cool. he's kind of like he's kind of taken the uh, a lot of the uh, Silicon Valley uh, presence and moved them to Miami because they can comparable weather and way lower taxes, way lower taxes, way so, lower cost of living. Yes, all that stuff. So yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see how that emerges. But I mean, this is just again more adoption more mainstream adoption for cryptocurrency because this this the, the trevor lawrence deal is not just bitcoin we the first you know the, the sean culkin and russell coon were pretty much all bitcoin and i'm not saying one way is right or the other but this guy basically trevor lawrence is now in a in a crypto you know he's kind of expanding the presence of it's more than just bitcoin he's going to take right. you know he's going to have more adoption to some of these alternative coins yeah have some ethereum and he mentioned a few of them or i saw yeah, I know, it, right somewhere. Yeah, solana i think it's i think i saw doge in one too but i don't see that in the current article that i was skimming through awesome um but either way i mean it's again it's just a way of you know it's yeah he gets all this endorsement and black folio gets all this uh, media attention too but there's also a you know, a, a financial impact that could be monumental for, for people who get in early if this actually turns into the things that they think it's going to turn into. So I'm um, going to currently just we'll do a little price quick uh, check here. Uh, Bitcoin at 57.6 right now. I see uh, your Ethereum got up to 3,200. Yeah, buddy. So got to buy yeah. those dips. <laughs> so uh, let's move on to, um, I don't know if this is uh, 
something that uh, we should be concerned about, but I find it interesting is we mentioned this Chinese rocket. It's like 21 tons. They said at least 60 to 80% of it would burn up in the atmosphere. So oh, that's good. I mean, so I don't know what 20% of 21 tons is, but that's going to come through. Four tons. Yeah, so that's going to come through. Hopefully it's hit like the ocean. four cars dropping on you. It'll almost. be in parts, so hopefully it's broken up even more there if it lands on us. I mean, if it when lands on will us, we gonna, get can it happen in the show, if at least, if it's going to happen? Well, when will we know where it's going to come down? Um, there is somebody tracking it, and I don't think I have that. Uh, I feel control. like that's kind of important. <laughs> uh, well, so <laughs> if you want to see how, how random or how um, wide a spectrum this, this could be, um, so it's... It's got some latitudes that it's bouncing between, if you will. So okay. it's, it's, it's orbiting, but it's kind of not, it's uncontrolled. So it's not in a uh, typical uh, pattern that they're, they're like. So it is between the New York, Madrid, Beijing, and as far south as Chile and New Zealand. So it's somewhere between New York and Chile. Oh, so we got it narrowed down. Yeah. I mean, let's move to Antarctica. What? Yeah. So this... Listen, the, 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 right now the rocket is, you know, like 100 feet long, 16 feet wide, and again, it weighs 21 tons. I don't know. This happens every once in a while, but this is apparently the biggest one that's ever re-entered. So I guess they try to take care of these things. Anything bigger than 10 tons is kind of what I was reading. So okay. if they see this thing, they're like, oh, it's 10 tons. You better go get this. But they're under, they, you know, this thing's under control at this point, and I'm not sure that they can do anything about it in time to uh, get it here. So heads up. Where is Elon see- Musk when we need him? <laughs> all right. This is your moment, bro. Yeah. Get up there. Be all that. Come on. Um, I don't know. Like I said, interesting, but let's hope it lands in the water safely. Yeah, and let's, uh, who do we follow or pay attention to till we get notified that this is coming? Um, I don't know. Do they have one of the Santa Claus trackers? Kind of like the same thing for <laughs> You're falling not being uncontrolled very rockets. Right <laughs> NORAD? Is oh, that a thing? Yeah, well, if anybody was ever going to just tell us the, to- the truth, the whole truth, and nothing about the truth. Yeah, no, not me. But, so keep a keep heads up. Um, let's turn, let's turn our attention to, uh, more, more local, uh, news in uh, our <clears throat> wonderful state of New York. Our governor, uh, has, uh, set some dates today being one of the dates where he kind of relaxed some of the, uh, restrictions. I saw another, uh, capacity limits are probably all going to be re- removed as of May 19th. I think I just saw that this morning. So that's going to allow like gyms and amusement parks and all that stuff to kind of reopen fully hundred percent. Uh, they're still enforcing the six foot distancing rule in those places. So you can have full capacity as long as everybody's six feet away. So whatever that turns out to be, um, but it's breaking down. Do you feel that? Do you feel like there's actually, do you feel like in New York and like I said, you know, we're in one of the most lockdown States in yeah. the whole place. Do you feel anything different? I think that if you go online, it's a lot of people that are still really pro every restriction. If you get to people in the real world, I think it has shifted where the majority are now just done of enough's enough. I mean, you could read some comment sections of like the uh, local news section. They're they're pretty much all done. Most of those people have checked out like. The people defending it are, are much less these days. That's yeah, all. they're loud, but they're, there's fewer of them. And I think that, look, the reality is, <laughs> just look at the track record here. It didn't work. Like we're, we're all adhering to this like it's some gospel truth. They got it wrong. Like, the mass didn't help. The distancing didn't help. The shutdowns didn't help. Shockingly enough, ordering food when you have a beer did not help stop the spread. Like, at some point, you have to look back and analyze what worked and what didn't, and you have to come to the realization of none of it worked. We had the exact same curve as everywhere else with the seasonality of the virus. Like, 
I'm sorry it didn't work. I wish we could control something like this. But the fact that, you know, 4% of New Yorkers were not wearing masks every time they went out in public was not the reason that we had the exact same spread as Florida, where half the people were not wearing masks at a minimum. So you can try, but if you're going to have the conclusion lead you to the data, you're going to say that's what it was. But if you're going to have the data lead to the conclusion, the only reasonable conclusion to draw was it didn't work. Yeah, and you can, like I said, you can do state by state. You can do counties within the, each state. You can There's, do country, you can country by country. Right, anywhere you try to measure. And, you know, if there was a place that they could point to, like, look, right here, we'd be beat over the head over it every single right. day, right? Like, this is the place. Look, they did it right. Well, we are beat There is no place, right? And then it stops. Like, they, then you, you look at the full picture, and you're like, you're lying, because yeah. you chose these dates to, to make your point. But if you look at the big picture, it, had, it was two weeks behind, but it was right. the same exact curve. Yeah, no, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that the restrictions are being lifted. Like I said, some of these are being lifted by the governor, governor by himself, uh, you know, at press conferences or whatnot. Uh, and some of them, like your, you mentioned the, uh, uh, the food must be ordered with a beverage uh, at the bar rule order. Oh, you had to have a dip too. You couldn't just have like, you couldn't just get wings, right? You had to have a dip. Same thing with chips and salsa. Yeah. Whatever. So that has been lifted, but not by the governor. That was lifted by actually uh, one of our local uh, state senators here uh, co-sponsored the bill or maybe even wrote the bill uh, basically or part this part of the repealing of the executive order was that just that. So probably the most asinine of all of the uh, rules in place uh, as far as looking at it just being like this is ridiculous. I mean, I'm not I'm not talking I'm not going to compare it to the devastation of the masks and, and some of this other stuff, but just reading it out loud being like what the hell are we doing here just kind the other of thing. Right, right. Just Between, craziness. The two of them that were the most absurd both had to do with restaurants. One was I get capacity limits and all that. I don't I don't agree with it and I'll we'll talk a little bit about why, but the idea that you had to order food when you had a drink was just on its face ridiculous. Like you you're laughing at it kind of like what? And the other one was where you could versus did not have to wear a mask. So if I walk into the restaurant, my mask is on. If I sit down at a table, I can take it off. If I stand at the bar, I have to put it back on. If I sit at the bar or at a bar height table, I can take it off. Like, you have to acknowledge the complete arbitrary nature of those rules. And the reality is... And just a little caveat, your, your staff is all wearing masks. Right. So now you're time. at a table, everybody has no mask, That your staff has a mask, or the bartender, or whatever. And yeah, and so you're looking at this and going, all right, but you're basing this on the idea that COVID is going to spread, and then after I breathe it out, this aerosolized virus, if I have it, is going to go away Like in, in time for that? That's how fast it works but in reality because the particles of covid are so small and these aerosolized well they started out as droplets and then turned into these aerosolized particles are so small and so much lighter than air that's not how it works it sits in the air for hours sometimes days was one of the studies said it was days that it's sitting there so if you have someone who is infectious and they breathe the air and then you go and sit at the table you know 20 minutes later and take your mask off it's the exact same risk it makes no difference. And this would be a good time to uh, plug our interview tomorrow with uh, Megan Mansell. Yeah. Uh, PPE expert. Uh, she's going to be interviewed. Uh, we're going to interview her tomorrow. Uh, I may release that before the show, but I'm definitely going to have it for the next show. Um, she has been testifying across the country or maybe a co- at least a couple different uh, school boards and uh, uh, some some legislative sessions talking about the, the, the harm from masks. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, do that continue. Do you have that study that we... That, 
talked about earlier. Yeah. All right. So this study, and now let's. So I, if you are infectious and you're spreading COVID, you wearing a mask, not wearing a mask in a restaurant or anywhere else inside for the most part is going to make no difference. If you are breathing out the live virus and I am susceptible to getting it, it's completely arbitrary to think that if you can take your mask off and then put it back on that you're doing anything of any good. Now let's go to the bigger problem, which was this asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread. That was the reason we had to do all this, right? You just don't know. We got to follow the science, and it's very clear now that some people do spread it asymptomatically, so we can't take the risk. Okay, fine. So there's a study that just came out. I guess this didn't just come out. It's been out, but this was in... I put it up on the screen for everybody. January? Did that come out? What was December. It? December. So December 14, this, 2020. This was a meta-analysis looking back at all of the COVID cases and the confirmed cases and the spread and the contact tracing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it looked at all of it to determine where was the spread happening. So obviously we already know the vast majority of spread came from household transmission. Somebody got it and then we're in close quarters with other people for a period of time and you're breathing it out, you're breathing it in, you're in there, you're not outside, it's not dissipating immediately, so it's there. So all that being said, it went back and looked at what was the cause. So it includes all people even at the highest risk and how was the transmission happening. And it's asymptomatic spread and presymptomatic spread were included together. Now I'm going to revisit this. Dear Odds are overwhelmingly high that there is no asymptomatic spread whatsoever. It is pre-symptomatic spread in almost all cases. Now, I can't say that definitively because obviously it's hard to prove a negative. Asymptomatic spread has not been firmly established. Pre-symptomatic spread has been established. But so even just looking at the most common way that this is spread, which is in the household, across all populations of people, old, middle-aged, young, at risk, not at risk, uh, you're talking about all the instances of this spreading within households, not in restaurants, not in bars, not at parks, not at games, not at anywhere else, just household spread. Asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic combined were 0.7% of all the COVID spread. So you're talking about taking a situation where it should be the most prominent because if you're in the household, this is the most likely time for you to spread this asymptomatically or presymptomatically. Even in that situation, it's 0.7%. We're doing all this. So imagine what it is out in public places where you are not combining people that are in closed quarters that probably don't have great filtration systems or whatever else. And you're spending sleeping near this person, walking next to this person and it's familial spread. Imagine how low it actually is for out in public. I I mean, I don't have a number for it, but if this is like the most common way and it's 0.7, all the less common ways are going to be less. It just is. This virus does not spread from this. This virus spreads from symptomatic people thinking that they are good to go because they're wearing a mask, that they're going to be okay to go and do this dumb stuff that they shouldn't be doing. Of all the the measures that we have taken to combat COVID-19, the number one, number one way that we could have stopped the spread was if you are sick or have any symptoms, do not go in public. Just stay home if you are sick. It is that simple. The number two thing we should have been doing was every single American should have been advised to be taking one to 3,000 milligrams of vitamin D a day. 
if we had just done those two things, if that had been the focus of the entire campaign, the results would have been markedly better. There is no other conclusion to draw if you're looking at the actual science. There is no other conclusion. Are you saying that Death Santa shouldn't have closed the beaches? Uh, You know, oddly enough, weird. Uh, We have a virus that, like, immediately is killed by vitamin D, and we told everybody to go inside. It's just mind-boggling. Remember when we shut down golf courses out here last year? Oh, I remember. Yeah, you, you and I both. Like... It was so, and then I, when they lifted it and I went golfing, I had people taking pictures of me from their car like yeah, I was some there. dangerous human being. I was with you. Oh, you were with me. That's right. I, I got called an F&A hole. Yeah, that's not the first time. Yeah. Probably won't be the last. But yeah. I, I wish At least the, the least deserving. Uh, you know, I wish all this stuff did work, and I wish it was as simple as we want it to be. But if you want to pride yourself on following the science, here's the science on asymptomatic and pre-symptomatic spread. In the most common form of spread it's 0.7% of the cases. And the way that it should be the leader of how to spread this, all right, in households, asymptomatic spread, meaning you're quarantined because you got a positive test but not showing symptoms, and you're around this person continuously or around your family, even then it's a less than 1% chance. Are you kidding? And yeah. we're doing all this because of that? That's insane. Yeah, like I said, there's there will be... All that will be digested over the years, and the amount of articles and studies that are going to come out of this, the economic damage is, again, it's going to be 10 years coming. So. So, yeah, and if you ever notice when they say, but we've established that asymptomatic spread is real, cool, you're, you're joining that with pre-symptomatic, because we don't know for sure that asymptomatic spread happens. We know pre-symptomatic spread does happen. It's just very uncommon. It's just, you'll never see them give a number. There's a reason. You'll never see a news outlet. You'll never see Dr. Fauci. You'll never see Dr. Burks. You'll never see Joe Biden. You'll never see Andrew Cuomo, any of these people, give a number for how common asymptomatic spread is. Because if they did, we would all laugh and be like, come on, man. (laughs) I had to shut down a gym and restaurants are going out of business left and right because of what is a sub 0.5% chance of me, number one, spreading it, somebody else catching it, and even then... If the older and more likely to get sick had quarantined or, or isolated instead of everybody, what what are the chances? And now let's say we got everybody to actually get enough vitamin D in their system that they were combating this. Do you know how different the results are? It's And the problem is the science didn't change. This is the science from last, I'm going to say April, because that's when it started to become more and more likely. Not certain, but if you were playing the odds that was when it started to, char- yeah. to turn. Instead, we have kids going remote learning, kids wearing masks all day at school, kids wearing base- wearing masks to play baseball outside. Like, the stupidity knows no bounds. This is amazing that anybody would try to justify this to say, I, well, kids need to wear masks because the spread of teachers. Nope. Yeah. Nope, not true. Not backed by the science. You know what the science actually says? That the schools that have full closures have a higher staff infection rate than the schools that are fully open. Make sense of that one, buddy. Yeah. And like we talked about last week with the study on mass and restrictions for school spread, there is no data to back this up. This is insanity. You are starting with the conclusion and then forming the evidence to fill it. You're not, if you're looking at the evidence and drawing conclusions, it is unjustifiable to draw these conclusions. It's insanity. I agree. And maybe... Our public officials are waking up to that. 
I want the private citizens to wake up to this. Oh, my God. It seems as though they need the uh, approval. They need the uh, allowance from their elected leaders. So at least we have, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if it's his worst arch nemesis. Uh, Mayor de Blasio came out and, <clears throat> excuse me, said New York City fully reopened by uh, New York, uh, New York City by July 1st. I love it. And you know what the best part is? Is Cuomo's like, well, like I hope to have a functioning reopen before that. So maybe they'll just get in a pissing match and they'll reopen. It'll just start rolling back even faster. Like I said, June 1st. It'll be like a bidding war. I'll cheer him on. Yeah. I mean, honest to God. And I I can't believe we're still doing this a year later. I I just, I can't, I can't believe we're still doing this. I can't believe we're still having these conversations. I can't believe we're still wearing masks. I can't believe, like, you have a year's worth of data of real-world results to look back on at this point. What would it have taken for you to acknowledge it doesn't work? Like, what would the result? How bad would we have had to have been here to be like, I guess that didn't work? Yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, Maybe it's people aren't, they don't see it, right? Because they're just in their own little, they uh, they're, they're in their own bubbles. But listen, I think part of this is think about these people that are doing this stuff. Like I got vaccinated for you and I wear my mask to protect you and you're a selfish idiot if you're not. And then it comes in and it's not happening. Like it's not helping. It's not spreading. This person is not going to give up their moral superiority based in ignorance so they can find out they were wrong. And that not only were they wrong, that they're a jerk. Because they were going out and attacking everybody as being so awful. And then in reality, they're completely wrong. They have no incentive to find that out. They don't want to find that out. The cognitive dissonance alone of, no, I am a good person. All right, cool. Or you're just a human being and you're flawed like the rest of us are. And we're all trying to make sense of this and do our best. And maybe we don't need to come out and call each other names and and make randomized assumptions about how your intelligence because, oh, you don't want to get the vaccine? Nope. Why not? Oh, the cost uh, doesn't outweigh the benefit. The cost outweighs the benefit. I'm yeah. sorry. And like, well, why would you say that? Well, do you really want to know or do you just want to try to shame me? Because I'll give you my, my entire reasoning behind it, but I don't think you really want to know. I think you just want to like shout back platitudes and talking points at me. And then I've started actually asking people, well, how effective is the vaccine? What's the percentage? Oh, it's 90%. Okay. 90% at what though? Well, it's uh, stopping COVID. What is it stopping the spread or is it stopping symptomatic cases? And then you see, like, all of a sudden they can't, like, well, I'm not a scientist and neither are you. Agreed. Right. Agreed. No, I, you're right. But, I, again, I, I love this line. I speak English and I'm reasonably intelligent, and it's not written in hieroglyphics. It, it, it's written in English. The numbers are all there. You can do the research if you want to. And if you still decide to get the vaccine, God bless you. Yeah. I, and like I said, we're, I, you know, as these things, these restrictions lifted, there's going to be this constant beating of the vaccine drum in the background of like, okay, well, the vaccine vaccinated people should be able to do this and vaccinated people do that. And they're not going to talk about the, the people who've already been infected and recovered, who basically should have all those privileges, if not more. Um, but they never get, they never bring that up. They only talk about the vaccinated, which again is, you know, just piggybacking on this whole idea of first aid, you know, they tried to shame you. Then they, they're basically trying to bribe people with, you know, donuts and beers and freaking you know, NFL draft tickets and shit. I mean, like, what the, what are we doing here? It's like, it's all this whole big, long propaganda spiel coming out of the, the, the corporations and some of the media outlets is, you know, endless. It doesn't seem like it's has stopped since. I mean, they're even talking, even writing articles, like, what do we need to do to get you guys to do it a vaccine? Like, give us some ideas. Like, how about just no move on. Right. So, and I think we're right to the point that 
Anybody who wants vaccinated has been vaccinated. Anybody who doesn't, doesn't. And everybody's willing to take the risk going forward. And at this point, like I said, I, you know, at the risk of agreeing with uh, Mayor de Blasio, like everything should be reopened, 100%, everything. Restaurants, bars, theaters, stadiums, all of it. Of course it should. Like, it, people, I think, have a misunderstanding of what the vaccine is actually effective at doing. And I think that's the first problem is that they're making these assumptions and they don't realize they're making assumptions because it's not what you think it is. Like, that's that's my biggest issue with it. So if you get vaccinated and then, yes, it's a reduced chance of you getting COVID and getting a symptomatic case. So that by nature is going to reduce your chance of spreading, but it's not going to stop it. And this is my point of. Look, the average human being on the street, if you gave me two choices of shove this needle in your arm and take what they're giving you or take vitamin D supplements, get outside a lot, and if you have even a sniffle, isolate yourself and definitely don't go near anybody who's in a high-risk category. If you give me those two options and say which one's going to be better from a public health standpoint, it's the second one 10 times out of 10. Like, you're going to get better results that way. I don't know why that's controversial. There's no risk to it. There's no nothing. But we've gotten to this point of... People are looking at it and saying, well, we don't know how long the natural immunity lasts. Sure, that, that's accurate. How long do the vaccine antibodies last? Oh, we don't know that either. All right, cool. So you're assuming the vaccine ones are going to be longer than the natural ones, but there's no basis or foundation in all of um, viral history, for lack of a better word, where that's been true. It, it would be the exception, not the rule. Like, we have, our immune system is amazing. If you actually start breaking down what our bodies are capable of, it's, it's incredible. Crazy. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm, I, listen, vaccines are amazing. The, the technology is incredible that what we're able to do and what they're able to do on this. But you still have to acknowledge that both sides of this. And if you get vaccinated and then you feel like you have carte blanche to go do whatever you want, all right, cool, but you still still are you shouldn't do certain behaviors that are high risk like if you end up getting a cold after you're vaccinated you should still isolate because yes. you might have covid again and so right and so real quickly let's i'm gonna if you guys are following along in the in the graphic i'm gonna flip topics here because i want to stay on this and move on to this herd immunity article yeah, and then, yeah, we'll yeah. Go, but then we'll go back to warren buffett and tell us how everything's going to cost everything it's going to cost so much so um if you guys haven't checked, um, I'll post the link here maybe in, <clears throat> in chat. So there was a New York Times article today. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, basically, the headline here, let me get the headline exactly so uh, I don't misquote anybody. Um, not there. Over here. Herd immunity. Reaching herd immunity is... Un and they put herd immunity in quotes too, by the way, in the headline. <laughs> Re Reaching herd immunity is unlikely in the U.S., experts now believe. They didn't put experts in quotes. If any word in that should be in quotes, it's experts. Yeah, so let's uh, put this up here so you guys can take a look at this. Um, reaching herd immunity is unlikely in the U.S., experts now believe. So this article, um, dated, is it dated today? I'm trying to find where's the freaking date. I don't see it here. May 3rd, May today, 3, yeah, 3 a.m. I wasn't awake. Actually, I may have been. Nope. I was not. Um, so this is basically talking about primarily vaccinated people. They do reference some natural immunity built in here, um, but they talk about some of the numbers you were just talking about, which is why I kind of wanted to move to this story where mm -hmm. you needed to maintain a certain level of uh, uh, percentage vaccinated to reach this herd immunity level uh, as high as 80% per your Dr. Fauci uh, claims. Um, Wait, pause real quick. Yeah. 
No, it was 65 to 75 percent. Then it went up to 85 to 95 percent. And he acknowledged because he didn't think he could get everybody initially to get up to 80 percent. He didn't think he could persuade enough people. But then he saw the numbers and he changed it. That is in an actual interview on TV. So the article tries to gloss over that and be like, well, now the new science is coming out. Like, no, science has been the same. You're changing what he said. You're changing the past. Go ahead. Yeah, no, and and I, this is not part of the article, but I kind of wanted to uh, inject it here. So I've, I was listening to another um, analysis of, of the data basically showing as soon as countries reach about 40% vaccination, that it basically drops off. Um, this... Didn't, there was no reference to the natural immunity, but you could suspect that there was a combination of 40% vaccinated and X some, amount of people have some percentage, immunity. right? Some percentage of people who already have immunity uh, for the virus and therefore creating the virus. and creating a, a level, uh, you know, a level caseload basically. So there is no uh, spikes or whatever. They've reached a level of immunity where it's no longer uh, putting any stress on anybody or spreading in a way that would, that would do so in the future. So, we're at about 30% now, I think, maybe even more uh, in the U.S. So in this article basically outlines primarily vaccinations as a percentage of, of uh, reaching herd immunity, but disregards the large chunk of people who basically already have immunity. Um, do you think we'll reach herd immunity? Of course. And do you think it'll be uh, something like, this year, or do you think it's going to be something where we're going to have spikes uh, for the next couple seasons um, and we're just putting out fires like that? So I don't know, and this goes back to a larger issue of, I think it depends. If this is a naturally occurring virus, as we're being told it is, then I think we're going to hit herd immunity at some point in the next 6 to 12 months. It could be as few as 3, but sometime in the next 3 months to a year. If this is a... Would have been done if the lockdowns didn't happen. It it probably would be. If if it's genetically modified to behave differently than other viruses, as has been alleged by some experts, then no. Then it could be a really, really big problem, which is why if only we would be allowed to maybe investigate the origins of the virus and how it actually came from the Wuhan province, maybe not from the market, maybe from the... Bat soup virology lab that deals with these things and then we could have found out a little bit more but the world health organization has determined that there's no reason to look at that in all of their wisdom and benevolence so i guess i don't i don't have an answer for that one i assume at some point we are and i think the other half of this the article is very big on variants of because not enough people are getting vaccinated and we're not going to be there's going to be variants coming out like but the vaccine doesn't get to the variants either. Not right. not any more than natural immunity does. No, I, I'm kind of under the impression that I think the the mass vaccinations may have spurred on variants sooner. I mean, they're basically introducing the virus to the environment and variants occur. So the more you do that, um, I think that's a possibility. So, yeah, the, the, they, they claim the variants are the reason... The pro- I, mean, I think maybe the I mean there's I think about thirty percent of the people who will, who will probably never get vaccinated just for whatever reason, um, one of the thirty percent, two <laughs> two of the thirty percent. So, um, in that the combination with that and the emergence of variants will likely mean that we'll never reach herd immunity. I you know I I, I feel like this article, I mean at the risk of I've, I've I've seen some other information coming from this. Uh, 
quote unquote reporter here. Um, and they all seem like narrative talking points right out of the right out of the playbook. So um, it's hard to take this article with too much seriousness for me, but I felt like it got a lot of traction early on today. And like I said, you know, I think this, I think having the discussion about herd immunity has should have been happening for a year. And at least it's happening now to some degree um, without being ridiculed anyway. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think this article specifically is, is not necessarily something that we should be uh, uh, diving into too much because it seems to, I don't know, again, follow along some unproven lines here, but it's relying on the reader's ignorance and feelings of moral superiority to confirm their biases and justify what they think all along, because what they're actually saying is not supported by that. Could it be right? Sure. But it would be statistically unlikely. The probability is not high that the, that they're correct in their reasoning, but there's not established that the COVID vaccine, any of them is going to be able to handle all the variants. And this thing mutates every 10 hours. Like, it's not like this is a once every couple of months, a new strain emerges. Every 10 hours, roughly, this virus mutates. Now, typically, most viruses mutate and get less uh, less deadly because it's uh, it's evolution. The, the virus is, I don't know what the word is here, but wants to survive, so it mutates, and it can't kill off all its hosts or else the virus dies too. If this is a genetically modified strain, then, yeah, maybe it will do that. Maybe it won't happen like all other naturally occurring ones would, but I don't, I don't know. I, I guess that's my the question of the hour that nobody's talking about. In the meantime, I just don't understand, like, Herd immunity is not a goal. It's an inevitability at some point. Like, the question is how big is the herd when you get there? At some point, you, you're you going to hit herd immunity one way or another. Um, could it be something like the flu? Yeah, I guess it could. But again, why are we doing this? Like, I, I don't understand what we're doing anymore. And I, I get that a, a lot of people have died. One of the big things that I'm having trouble making sense of is, all right, so early on, they were counting anybody who had a positive COVID test within the previous either 30 or 60 days and then died as a COVID death. And they said, well, we, we got to make sure we're getting everybody. When I'm like, All right, cool. I get it. That's fine. It, it, it's been over a year. Why have we not gone back and looked at that? Yeah. Why like have said, we not gone back and said, okay, we're going to get a more accurate number now? I, I'm, I tried to find an update or the original, like I went on to the New York Department of Health to try to find that exact figure because I remember reading it from the Department of Health before where they had that basically laid it out, said within 60 days of a COVID death, that's a COVID positive patient. I don't see that anymore. Like I said, I, I didn't save the link, so I, I, I could just easily be overlooking it. But I was trying to see, honestly, if they, were, if they actually changed that. Right. Oh, I just wanted to see if they changed it through the course of time without announcing that, just seeing if that was a... Uh, played a role in how much less cases there were in New York, but I, I couldn't find the number. So if anybody has that number, please send me that number. That'd be just interesting to know if it's still 60 to great, 60 days, which is still nonsense, or if they changed it, which would be nefarious. So um, uh, either way, like, but so I don't know what the official death count is at like 550,000 something or something like, that, like yeah. that. We know that number is not accurate. We know that number is inflated because I'm not even getting into the died of died with. I'm not, I'm not even getting into like, multiple causes of death and somebody had stage four liver cancer and then got COVID and died from COVID. Do you count that? Fine. Count that. I'm talking about the 24 year old that died in a motorcycle accident a week after getting a positive COVID test. Like there's no chance that that person should count. Yeah. And they acknowledge that they exist and they just don't change it. Right. That's I mean, what and I'm not guessing that's, you know, there's not some mass number of those, but even the fact that they can't filter those out, they makes don't, the they no, won't. Makes, right. That makes the number just 
garbage. Right, and that's my issue is like, why do we not want real information? Why do we not want accurate data? And I don't, I don't have an answer for this. And so you and I talk about how we're in the 30%. I'm, I'm firmly in, and it's a, I, I can point out all the inconsistencies. I can point out all the things that do not make sense. We'll go into some more of them too and, and do some comparisons. But here's the best analogy I can give you. If I'm driving in my car, I stop at a red light. Somebody pulls up next to me, got a suit on. I don't know this person. And they go, hey, why don't you get in my car? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm good. I'll just drive my car. Like, well, I think you should get in the car because it's, it's for your own safety. You could get in a car accident and die. Like, no, I, I think I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in here. Like, well, what if you hit a kid with your car? Wouldn't you feel bad? I, I, sure. But I, I think I can just take reasonable safety precautions and, and stay in my car. Well, you should really get in the car because I'm a better driver. I'm safer and I'm not going to hit kids. It's way more likely you're going to, so you should get in my car. Like, no, I'm good. Thank you. And then they keep going and they're lying about what's happening. Well, your car's on fire. No, it's not. Well, your car's about to explode. Doesn't seem to be. Well, this is going to happen. I don't need to know why this person wants me in their car. I'm not getting in. I don't have to understand what is happening and why they're doing it. It might be a benevolent purpose, but I'm not getting in the car. I'm not. That's me. Maybe you would. Maybe you're different. Cool. I'm not getting in that car, and I don't need to know the reason why he wants me in the car. I just know that if you're willing to lie, coerce, manipulate, to get me out of where I am and into you where you want me, I am not going to put my uh, decision on the idea that you're probably benevolent. Yeah. I'm just not. Like that's that's not I, I'm gonna be suspicious, I'm gonna be skeptical immediately and go, I don't know why you want me in your car so bad. Maybe you want to take me to a surprise party and like give me a new car. But it, it seems unlikely that that would be why. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's the same like when they started offering free stuff, I was like, they're really offering free stuff. Like this should just cement the idea and anybody who didn't want to get this, that they really have to bribe people to go take it. Yeah. So, and I guess here's, let's go. We have time to talk a little bit about India. All right, cool. Go right in it. So this is another thing that doesn't make sense. We keep hearing about how India is blowing up and it's this big hotspot and all these cases. And it's true. There's a ton of cases, but there's also a flip side to this. And that is our, our mortality rate in America right now is we have about 1,750 deaths per million of population, a COVID deaths per million. All right. So we're doing bad. Like we're in the top 10 of all countries in the world for the mortality rate aspect and everything else. And India is doing a little better. So India with all of their cases has 146 deaths per million of population. Again, we're at almost... We're at like 1,800 deaths per million. They're at 150. So that immediately to me goes, wait, something's wrong. So then we dive in a little bit deeper. And so they track this on, you can find out their discharge rate to mortality rate. How many people get discharged from the hospital versus how many people end up dying of COVID? In India, it's about, in December, they were at 98.5% discharge 98.48 percent we're getting discharged from the hospital getting covid and going home i don't know what it was for america but i want to say it's it's about two it's about 97 or 98 percent of the people were getting discharged and about two or three percent were dying india now went their their discharge rate went from 98.48 in december to today it's like 98.7 so they're actually increasing their discharge rate while having this massive spike in COVID cases. And they're rolling out vaccines, and, and they, I mean, they're, they're vaccinating people. They're not at the level we are right now, but they're trying to get caught up. 
But what India does is they actually have a treatment package put together that's, uh, I'm not going to be able to say this word, Invermycin. Is that right? That sounds right. Invermycin, um, a Z-Pack, and one other thing cost about $2.65. They've been giving them away. They've been selling them. People have been taking hydroxychloroquine prophylactically. they, They still treat with hydroxychloroquine and with Invermycin that are both just treatments that are not authorized in the United States. Now, I am open to the prospect that there are other reasons for the vastly superior mortality rate in India compared to America. Um, way more vitamin D just naturally occurring, way more uh, the the robustness of the immune system of, of a person living in India is probably going to be stronger than the average American because of the where we live and what we interact with day by day, on average. But at some point, there's doctors in America coming out and, and testifying this and trying to get anybody to listen to them to say, I've been treating with hydroxychloroquine, I've been treating with intermycin or intervicin or whatever the heck you say it. Uh, it's working. It's a miracle. Uh, it's reducing symptoms. It's saving lives. It's reducing deaths. It's getting people better. Anybody, anybody heard of that in the last three months? Other than here. I mean, th- this is crazy to me of like, why are, why are we not doing this? Like there's so little downside. There's so little risk of any type of negative reaction from that way lower risk than the vaccines. Yeah. And they're, and they're, listen, India is never going to vaccinate 1.4 billion people. No. Not even close. No, there's so no they have to have other plans and they have to do exactly what they've been doing is have other treatments because just vaccinating is never going to keep them from getting this virus. So America, my understanding, and somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, um, my understanding is within the United States, we have a law that says if there is an effective treatment for an illness, we cannot make a vaccine for it. I think that's right. I believe that is a law. So this is going back to the point of like, well, I don't need to understand the end game, but it seems wrong that we are covering up effective treatments. I, it seems wrong that when hydroxychloroquine was originally coming out, that all of our experts summarily dismissed it because of a lack of a double blind trial, RCT. All right, cool. You got an RCT on masks? No, that would be unethical. Oh, shoot. Okay, cool. Obviously, that makes sense. Or when they came out with the first one and Sturgis Fear had that entire study where they made it up by claiming they had an international hospital registry with hospitals from every continent on the earth and enough to get a clear understanding of worldwide pictures. And the director of our National Institutes of Health, Mr. or Dr. Anthony Fauci, went, that seems legit. Sure. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, the thing that we've been giving to pregnant women, old people, and children for 60 years, that's probably causing deaths. That, that lines up. I mean, like, that doesn't add up to me, and it shouldn't to you either. That is obviously, there's something off with that. So now we got a vaccine, and now they're looking at the vaccine as it is only going to handle one variant, but they're going to, benevolent and magnanimous as they are, they're just going to develop new vaccines each time a new variant comes up, and you're going to have to go get another shot that somebody's got to pay for. Man, that's weird. I'm I'm sure if we did the math, uh, uh, Tests and vaccine times dollars, it would be a large, large number. Yeah, so I, I don't know what to do with this information because I'm looking at India and going, yeah, it is, the, the spread is bad, but their mortality rate is amazing. And it has been. That's the thing. Like, they spiked last summer, and I believe it was when all that stuff about uh, hydroxychloroquine being bad came out and people stopped using it. Countries, Sweden stopped using it, India stopped using it, America banned it. Like, we all stopped. India and Sweden went right back to using it because they watched their mortality rate 
go from it was about four or five percent early and it jumped up to like 25 or 30 percent for a brief period of time and then they started using these treatments again and it's been above 98 percent for the better part of the last year like they their treatments are better than what we are doing here and i think some of the comparison is also because of the way we're defining a covid death i do not know how they're defining a covid death in india i don't know if they're using the same metric as we are but this is what i mean like you have data from all over the world that you can look at and go wait why would we do that there's very little risk there's almost no side effects to this whatsoever and if they are they're very mild certainly nobody's dying nobody's dropping dead nobody's having blood clots like that seems better and Again, I guess I don't really care if I get COVID. I don't want to die of COVID. If I get sure. a bad case of COVID, I don't want it. But I, I can deal with that as long as I know I'm not going to die. Because then it's like I had the worst flu ever, but I, I'm not going to die from it. I'm in. Like, that's fine. I shouldn't say I'm in. That was really poorly worded. But it's not. You would never institute this type of broad public health measures and restrictions on individuals for that. It's the mortality that matters. It is the mortality. Now they're trying to scare children into getting this vaccine by telling them, well, that's way more common and they get sick. What's the mortality? Well, there, there's still no increase in mortality and children still aren't dying. Yeah. Well, children can still spread it to the loved ones. Really? You know what the data is on that? It's not strong. It's not. You're already talking about children are so are less than half as likely to spread this. Even up to the age of 18, children are half as likely to spread as an adult. And let's go back to that asymptomatic, pre-symptomatic study again. Hmm. If I'm at .07 under the worst case scenario, if I take reasonable precautions and I'm a child, what do you suppose my odds are? Do you suppose it's better or worse than the average person with a vaccine spreading it? I have a theory. I can't necessarily prove it at this point, but if I had a guess... I'd say you're more likely to spread it post-vaccine than you are as a 17-year-old child. Me, as 36-year-old, and more likely to spread this virus after getting a vaccine than an asymptomatic 17-year-old is right now. Yeah. All right. When I'm, this is, I guess, technically still COVID, but or COVID-related. Um, but let's talk about uh, Warren Buffett. Sure. Um, talking about inflation, um, I think... The inflation, obviously, we're talking about, you know, I don't know if maybe you've seen some of the uh, the memes where they, they see, like, the, the lumber truck driving down the road and, like, oh, I ran into a billionaire. And they have a bunch, big truck of uh, lumber right, in the back funny. of their, uh, their thing. So um, I think some of this this price, the price increases, I think inflation is here. Um, but I think it's being compounded, the price action or the price level elevation is because of the disruption in the supply chain, too. So it's we've gone a year where... Things have been on and off, off and on. I need this. I need that. And now everybody's ramping up, opening up altogether. And now everybody needs everything and people aren't prepared. So that's raising transportation costs. It's raising, you know, costs on everything to go along with that. So there, I think there is inflation in the system for sure. Like more inflation probably now than there's ever been in the history of the world. Oh, for sure. And it's being compounded on top of that by this disruption in the, the, the supply chain for the last year that's causing even more demand in areas. It's, art, it's basically an artificial demand for, for certain services. So, I mean, we're talking about $3 gas, uh, you know, all this lumber stuff. I got some fun numbers for you. Go for it. In 70 days, steel is up 145%, lumber 126%, wheat 25%, food 25%, cotton 35%, silver 38%, copper 50%, and oil 80%. And Bitcoin's like probably like 500%. I mean, you're saying Warren Buffett is predicting 
inflation. Well, what a genius. I mean, my God, he really is an oracle. You mean maybe when you print currency at will with no nothing backing it up, it sometimes causes prices to go up? Surely you jest. Yeah, let's pull up the article because it's fun. Um, God. I mean, you know, Warren Buffett has his own uh, basically – uh, media following. So I find it interesting when uh, these people uh, put out, again, information that uh, we all should know about. So I'm glad that at least he said it so that uh, we could talk about it and not seem like we're just, or me, crazy libertarian guy talking about inflation for <laughs> the last 20 years. So um, Warren Buffett, he's like, we are seeing substantial inflation and we are raising our prices. So this article basically was uh, uh, talking about his home building business, I feel like, and basically saying how all the costs associated with building those homes are up, and therefore he has to raise prices himself. Shocker. I know that people raise prices when things go up. Economy working is interesting. Um, some people deny that that it works like that. Um, but I th- again, I, I think that it's, as you point out, we've printed trillions, trillions of dollars out of thin air with basically a stroke of a keyboard. Can I give and, you a really fun yeah. stat before you yeah, go ahead. on that? I love fun stats. 22% of all U.S. currency in existence today was printed in the year 2020. Yeah. 22%. And so that means we that, that's not even counting Biden's most recent. Right. So, so add, now add it's higher, that. but I haven't yeah. seen data on that. Yeah. I know in tw- 2020, one in $5 that currently exists in the world was, was created in the year 2020. So we've been using this fiat currency for over 100 years now. Or just about 100 years, I apologize. It was, it's not quite 100 years, about 80 years, 85 years. And one out of five was printed in this, just this last year. And I'm supposed to be shocked that we're seeing inflation? Yeah, I mean, I'm, people were denying that there was inflation this whole time, even with all that data being publicly available. So I guess that, that's why I was kind of... As they said, I'm encouraged not the right thing, but I was glad to see that somebody had at least of Buffett's note had kind of sounded the alarm a little bit being like, hey, we need to be looking at this. I'm like, it's right. not just this. There is uh, major problems in, in, the, in the market. So and, and like I said, when, when, when Warren Buffett acts good or bad, people people jump. So yeah, it's not just crazy people with podcasts saying, hey, this isn't going to go well. Now it's right. people that have some more clout than you and I have. Yeah, um, I, this is bad. I don't, I don't have a better word for it. Like it, it's bad and it's going to get worse because we're not stopping. And so we're going to keep printing money. Things are going to keep getting more expensive. I, I don't have, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I know that a coffee didn't used to cost me $3 at Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, yeah. Well, you got to get the biogradable cup. That's why. I mean, maybe, but it seems to me like this is, this is crazy. And we talked about this last year very briefly of like, look, when you shut down the entire world as we did for COVID, there's going to be very negative consequences and it's going to disproportionately affect the people in third world countries the most because for better or worse, they rely on the consumerism of the first world countries to build up their own economies. I know that's not fair. I know that's not right, but I also know it's reality. So when you shut all that down, I mean, it's better than, I don't know what's happening now. Sure. Or what was happening before that? Right. And it's a, so now it's, it's the production goes down and it's, it's going to be the people that are the poorest amongst us that are disproportionately affected, which is why you're now seeing huge, uh, gaps in supply chains. Look, it's going to get worse. I talk to anybody in the restaurant industry about what's happening with food prices, right? Chicken now. wings. Chicken wings you almost can't find. Yeah. They take them off the menu. Right. I mean, it's, 
it's only going to get worse. And it's not the fault of the guy who owns the restaurant that his prices just went up by 40%. So, yeah, you got to pay a little more for your food now. Because what am I supposed to do? I'll tell you right now, from the ice cream shop perspective, I know my prices are going to keep going up, and they already have. Not only that, I've got to pay every kid that works for me $12.50 an hour plus my half of their FICA tax, so it ends up costing me about $13.50 an hour to hire anybody. That number's going up again next year and the next year. I already know that's coming. What do I do? Yeah, you'll be raising your prices right along with I it. have no choice but to raise and I'm trying to be as efficient as I can so I don't have to raise that much and I'm cutting out things that I don't need and I'm trying to make it so that it can be done but it's just a simple reality I I got into this business to make money sure. I didn't do this to break even now it doesn't mean I need to make 500 grand a year I want to have a profitable store and I want to be able to make back the investment that my wife and I made in this in this business so yeah I, I kind of have to charge a little bit more because otherwise one bad year and I'm out of business and I'm out all the money that I put into it. Like, so yeah, I'm sorry that it costs me so much money. And I don't mean, I've, I don't mean any disrespect to the kids that work for us. There's not one of them that can provide $13 and 50 cents worth of value every hour at the ice cream prices. I want to charge. There's not one. And they're great kids. They're a great staff. They work hard. They do, they do very good work. It's just simple economics. The only way they're worth 1250 is if a small cone costs you $4. Actually, in reality, five dollars. We're charging three fifty because I don't want to do it. But that's how the math works. That's the only way I can get enough value out of that scoop of ice cream, and what I'm paying for it is to charge you more money. Yeah. No. Like I said, it's I, I've I've been in restaurants where they have a built-in every year they're raising their prices X percent, and that's just part of the thing. And they just for all the reasons you just laid out, right? Like their costs are going to continue to go up. Um, therefore, they cannot maintain the same level of service, the same level of cleanliness, because they have to cut staff, they have to cut someplace if they don't raise prices. So um, the, the consumer loses out if they don't raise prices. The consumer loses out if they do raise prices. I'd rather ha- pay for what I'm going to get, I guess. Um, and back to your point about this, this all of the $3 gallon of gas doesn't affect the, 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 the guy making 100 grand a year almost at all. But anybody who's using that little bit of gas to get to work is now basically, you know, half of their first hour is paid for in gas kind of thing. So um, it's going to affect the poor predominantly more. All of these prices are. Everything that is going to cost more is going to affect the people who have less money. And that's where we're at. Every time, because people that have money can sort of absorb it. Yeah, they can absorb the cost, pass it along, or just it doesn't really matter that much. Because if you're making 100 grand a year... An extra fifty cents a gallon of gas, you're annoyed by, but it's not going to have right. a significant impact. It's on not your changing life. your you're not changing your travel plans because of that extra fifty cents. But yeah. some people are. Well, we had a little technical difficulties on the outro there, so thank you for your patience. But uh, that was the end of the show anyway, and so be sure to check in with us next week, uh, next Monday, and uh, we will have guest Megan Menzel, uh, Mama Source Meg, on Twitter if you need to follow her, and we'll talk all things masks. And until next week, thank you again for tuning in.